Welcome to the Caring Collaboratively podcast. My name is Dr. Summer McMurray. I'm a speech language pathologist and the founder of Carolina Pediatric Therapy. We are a multi-site interprofessional collaborative practice of speech language pathologists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, behavioral health practitioners, including psychologists, licensed clinical social workers, licensed clinical mental health counselors, and licensed marriage and family therapists, and an amazing group of support professionals who've been serving children and families across our region since 2002. This podcast is for anyone who is team-oriented, is looking for a great place to work, is wondering how we create a positive, connected, and meaningful workplace experience for our colleagues and teammates, and would like to apply some of what we do to your own workplace. It's also for those who'd like to learn more about leading and working in a collaborative practice or a team of any setting, and for those who are interested in how you can participate in creating a work culture that you love, that brings joy to the workplace, builds resilience, and makes you excited about Mondays and every other day of the work week. So thank you for listening. All right. Hello, and thank you for listening today. I'm Summer McMurray, speech-language pathologist and founder of Carolina Pediatric Therapy. And today I'm here with our behavioral health mentor group, and we're talking about the benefits of an embedded mentor program for the, from the behavioral health and mental health perspective. So first, let's go around and everybody introduce yourself. You can share your discipline and then what clinic you're connected to um, and where what settings you might work in here at Carolina Peds. So I'm Catherine Funk. I am a licensed psychologist and I am um, a little bit across all of the settings that we have. I'm Sarah Anderson. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor and I primarily work in our South Clinic, but also work in our Hendersonville and East Clinics one day a week. I'm Sean Hassler. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor uh, and I work at the South Asheville Clinic. Hi, I'm Ari Brown. Um, I'm also a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I work at our Charlotte Clinic. I am Amanda Metz. I am a licensed psychological associate. I work in our South Asheville office and our Hendersonville location. And I'm Mike Rommel, licensed clinical social worker, and I work in the Arden Clinic and two days virtually. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you guys all for joining me this morning after your series of meetings <laughs> that you've had. So, um, so in this series, we've been ta- taking a deep dive into our embedded mentoring program here at Carolina Peds, and we've talked to our directors, uh, looking at the program really from a high level view. So now we wanted to look at it from each of the discipline specific um, viewpoints because mentoring looks a little bit different in every profession, and so we wanted to share. From the behavioral health and mental health perspective what that looks like and at carolina peds 100 percent of the new folks that come to join our team are they're getting that structure support through the embedded mentoring program so we want to know what that looks like and then hear from you about your experience what how it's positively impacted you and then what your perception of how it's impacted those that you've mentored and taken through the program so the first question that i'd like to ask you all is when you hear the word mentor what comes to mind for you um, When I hear the word mentor, I think of a guide. So somebody who, you know, maybe has more experience than you, or at least is a little bit more familiar um, with the setting that you're going to be working in, and they can facilitate and guide you through transitioning and integrating into that setting. I usually think of like relationships um, and building a bond um, with someone who can help walk through the struggles um, and the successes with you. I think of mentoring as kind of a unique combination of professional skill development and emotional support, you know, separate from any other guiding role that really tries to merge those two things together. So why did each of you feel it was important to be a mentor? 
I think it's very important because I look back to when I first started as a men- as a therapist. Um, and we had supervision, you know, all therapists have to go through a period of supervision. Um, but when I started in particularly, like I was doing a lot of community work. So a lot of times I was out on my own. I was just kind of learning as I went. And I think that's one of the things that was really special about Carolina Peace to me is that even though I'm a lot further away from everybody else being in Charlotte, I always felt like being, I was part of a team and that wasn't what, that wasn't my previous professional experience. And so looking back at how I could help somebody else where they don't have to go through this like question and answer period of just figuring it out and investigating and failing and then, you know, just rebounding, you know, that was very important to me is that, you know, how, much better of a therapist would I be now five years in if I had had this experience that very first time I started walking through the doors of someplace. I totally agree, Ari. When I first entered the field, I did not feel like I had a lot of support. I was young. I was a new clinician. So I was working on my clinical skills, but also just trying to figure out how to navigate the work world. And it was really stressful. And mental health work is hard. (laughs) Starting a new job is hard. And so you know, when I got here, it was just a relief, even though I was already further along in my career to have that support. And so to be able to then offer that to newer employees and newer clinicians felt really important because I didn't want anyone else to have that experience. And also it helps me, like it gives me a time set apart where I can just focus on, okay, what is working? What's not working? What do we want to grow? Um, And so I think just being that intentional in my own work has really helped me develop my own practice by focusing on, you know, the people I'm mentoring as well. I think that it adds just an extra level of support. You have supervisors, um, you have your bosses, um, and this gives more of like a peer-to-peer kind of feeling to it um, that you can, I guess, feel more comfortable being vulnerable with the struggles that are, are happening day to day. I think Sarah and Sean and Ari, you know, all made such great points and it, it made me, think that this is such a great opportunity for people who are very new in the field as they're coming in to have a mentor. And as Sarah mentioned, some of us have had experiences before where we've, you know, been in the field a while. And so even taking it from that perspective, you can come in with all the experience in a world, but you're starting at a new company, you know, and that can be overwhelming. And so having the mentorship option for all clinicians, no matter what stage they're in. Um, It's just, it really makes something that can be overwhelming feel a lot more manageable. Um, And so to be able to provide that, even for somebody who maybe has years of experience, um, you know, I think it increases your humility, you know, (laughs) the hungry, humble, smart model. (laughs) Um, You know, I just, it, it really, brought me back to why I got into this field, being able to guide somebody as they're starting out or as they're further along in their career, but just starting out with us. I was similar to Amanda. I had plenty of experience and it was incredibly valuable to be mentored. And I I was not happy when it ended. (laughs) I've been happy for another six months. That says something there. If you weren't, you were really wanting to stay in mentoring even after all that. And also, I'm actually not a mentor. I'm a clinical supervisor here. And it's really nice because then I can just focus on that. 
And I don't have to, you know, the, the people I supervise go to their mentors, like all the questions about the electronic medical record and all, all that other part of our job. So that's really helpful as a clinical supervisor, not have, we can just focus on clinical things. And I think the other piece I want to add, and you know, somewhere at this point, I don't even know if I can remember the question that you asked us to answer. So it might be a little bit off, but you know, I think the thing that I think about is in my previous experience at other places I've worked in as a new clinician, I didn't have a like formal mentor that was assigned to me that could be my go-to. And so I had to really identify people that I felt safe enough to go to and then have to see, do you have time for me to ask you these questions? Or, you know, is it appropriate for me to take the space that I need with you for support? And so, you know, I think the one thing that I love and I get really excited about with our mentorship program is, you know, it really allows our team to have someone identified right from the beginning that this person is going to protect time for you. You are important to this person in that relationship. And I think that is, you know, such a gift um, for team members just to have someone who does, you know, take out time and, and mental space just to focus on you and your development. Yeah, and well, Matt, you, you've all mentioned a little bit about you know, kind of creating that safety, that person that can you can go to that you don't feel like you're bothering that person, you know, having past experiences where you maybe didn't have that support or that layer of support, like you mentioned, Sean, and, you know, particularly in uh, behavioral and mental health professions, you know, the burnout rate's really high, the turnover rate is really high, and, you know, sometimes upwards of 40% in some settings, and that's really, um, it's really an, a real issue that can affect our ability to serve our communities and for families to access care, individuals to access care. And so one goal you know, that we have, you know, is really to bolster that resilience in our providers here at Carolina Peds and, and buffer against the burnout and the secondary trauma. How do you all think that the embedded mentor program aligns with that, that idea, that goal and um, supports that effort? I think it honestly really creates the space um, that prevents people to feel like they're alone in their experience. Um, I think, you know, one of the greatest things about being a mentor is being able to say like, oh, I've had that experience too, you know, or I, you know, I know what that feels like because we do, you know, we do have similar experiences with um, some of the families that we work with and the difficult work that we do. And so I think just that aspect can be so powerful in allowing team members to be vulnerable and um, have space where it is okay to be vulnerable because you're not alone in that experience. I think it's so important in the meetings that we have with, with at least I have with my mentees that just talking about self-care, what are you doing outside of work? What's your life like? Getting to know the person, um, what they like, going to lunch sometimes just to, to hang out and just meet that way. Um, it just provides a different level of of assistance relationship piece is you know pretty imperative I know for myself I'm more likely to feel joyful and energized and enthusiastic about going to work if I get to see people that I feel like I have a close relationship to and when you start out in a new work environment you don't necessarily have that unless you you know already knew someone who was working there and so to say from day one here's someone who is going to make time for you, who is going to develop a relationship with you, I think creates that just joy and enthusiasm from the beginning. And that can really help reduce, you know, the burnout or the feeling like, I don't know if this is sustainable because at least you have that connection built in. I talk about a lot in mentoring is 
setting boundaries. And this, and this is something that I talk about with my mentee. I talk about this with other therapists around me. <laughs> and, and I know that that is a direct result of the countless conversations that my mentor had with me about how important it is to set boundaries, because that was such a hard concept for me to learn because I, I didn't have that mentor when I first started out. So like I came in you know, four years in and I had terrible boundaries with clients. And so I did experience burnout a lot. And my mentor really was like, set boundaries, say no. Um, and so I'm like spreading the gospel of like setting your boundaries, say no, it is okay. And I think those are the types of things that's, you know, th that we have to learn early on and that it's, and we have to normalize for new clinicians that it is okay to say no. You have to say no, you cannot be, everything for this family that is not your job because as helpers we think it's our job we think that we have to meet every single need even if it's not within my scope we have to connect them to resources I have to do this extra research in order to do that and that is incredibly draining especially when you have a full caseload to do that for 25 to 30 families I think the other piece of that too, Ari, is it's like, and also that doesn't necessarily empower families when they have someone who's doing everything for them, that doesn't allow them to experience the success of them taking that step. And so um, I think, you know, it's such an important conversation boundaries in terms of how to build your own resilience, but also how to really provide, you know, optimal trauma-informed care, which again, it's hard to figure out all the things at once that you're trying to do as a, as a clinician. And so having someone there who can help with some of those conversations and um, setting boundaries and the discomfort of that, but also, um, or, and also I should say the good pieces of that. So what do you all think makes a, a great mentor? What qualities does that person need if they're going to be a mentor? Like Sean said earlier, the great thing about our mentoring program is that it does feel more peer to peer, you know, and so there are those questions where is this something that I should ask my boss? Is this something that I should ask my company's CEO? You know, well, who do I ask this question or who do I express this to that I am struggling, that this is not fun for me, you know? And so I think to have someone that you know has that experience, that you know has the time put out, you know, that I'm not infringing on their day because they already have this time set aside, but also that I can just get real with them. And, and it's almost like the like cone of safety, right? That I can pretty much say anything here. And I know there's not going to be any judgment. I'm not going to get in trouble for it because we're then going to work. We're going to work through that. So I think as a mentor, you have to be able to set the tone for that and that you have to lay the foundation because as a mentee coming into it, of course, you don't, can I trust this person? Are they reporting back to somebody? Are they going to tell on me? So being able to make that, that place or that setting a very safe place that, you know, we, we can be friends here. Like we can talk openly. We can talk honestly. And as much as I expect you to be honest with me, you can expect me to be honest with you too. So even if that means sometimes saying some of the hard truths and pointing out where you were wrong or where you're going, you know, in the wrong direction, that's not to get you in trouble. That is because I'm trying to help you to be a better therapist and better clinician. I agree with that. And having that balance, I love having fun and joking around. So having a balance where you can be serious at times, but also know that it's okay. There's a lot of stuff that we have to have to talk about a lot of hard stuff. Um, and don't be afraid to have fun and, and crack jokes and just enjoy the work. Can I say something? It's, it's a little tangential. It's kind of like, what's a good mentorship program? I'm thinking 
of one of our clinicians who just got hit by the perfect storm. You know, they got sick and four or five things happened in their personal life. And almost like their, their mentor and myself and Kat, and we just floated them through and, and they did their work. And they, now they're just like this awesome clinician that, you know, it's just a rock star. It's a really good um, illustration of that layering of support of how the mentor is that kind of first line and then you're the supervisor and then Kat's coming in to really support you all in that. And how do we help this person individually? You know, it's very individualized, the mentoring component. It's not just a cookie cutter thing. How do you help this person for what they need to get through this period of their life um, and come out on the other side of it thriving and able to do this work con continuously? Yeah, yeah, I feel like everyone is very much in line with what I was thinking too. So I was just trying to think what else maybe could go on top of that because I think as mental health professionals, we're all already kind of <laughs> trained to do the mentor role. Like we're trained to provide a safe, comfortable environment and, you know, to be good listeners and to, to help people feel comfortable in sharing. Um, so I think just in addition to that, it's really important to be an advocate for your person to like, let you know that you believe in them and that you see them, you know, moving forward in this work and into the future. And then also just being really enthusiastic about the work and comfortable and confident in our own work so that we can convey that to the people we're working with. We, the work we do is so serious. It can feel so heavy. You know, I was, when Sean was speaking, it really, resonated with me because I think having a sense of humor and just bringing an element of fun, those are great qualities for a mentor to have. Um, because, you know, again, this work is hard. It can be challenging. And sometimes that mentor meeting or that supervision that you're having, you know, having the option to go get lunch and not feel like you're stuck in the office, um, and taking a step away can make, you know, all the difference. Um, and so, yeah, I'll add that to everything else smart that all of my colleagues just said. <laughs> yeah, that's really, it's important. I think it's important to all of us to have fun. We try to have a lot of fun around here. <laughs> Carolina Pede's in the middle of doing this very important work that we're doing that can be difficult and, and serious. And, um, but then, in turn, we're there for each other and our relationships together it allows us to laugh and to have a good time and, and to really relieve some of that stress sometimes through the fun things that we do here. So and that's a really good point. Um, so we, uh, you had mentioned, Mike, you, so you're a clinical supervisor, Kat, you're director and clinical supervisor as well, and then the rest of you are mentors. So in trying to differentiate for people who might not know the difference in that, um, for new people that might be coming in, um, you know, there's a lot of different licensure types too in behavioral health. It's not, you know, everybody in the speech pathology program, you know, everybody has a speech license, but in your program, there are a lot of different licensures. So tell me first, all of the different licensures that um, we can accept in our program to be able to serve children and families in this setting. Okay, I will, I'm gonna jump in and, <laughs> and try to say this because there are a lot. <laughs> You know, so certainly we, we have our psychology part of the team. We have our, you know, psychologists and psychological associates. We have our licensed clinical mental health counselors and licensed clinical mental health counselor associates. Mm -hmm. We have our um, licensed clinical social workers and licensed clinical social worker associates. We have our licensed marriage and family therapists. And I think there is also a licensed marriage 
and family therapist associate level as well. Mm -hmm. um, guys, am I missing anything? I'm impressed that you said all of that without. Well, that, I'm impressed too, because I usually just do the acronyms, but I went for it. I just dove <laughs> in there, <laughs> ready yeah. to learn myself. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so you did it right. So, okay. So, yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is there are people who are in the process of getting their full licensure. And then there are folks that are in that associates level where they're still going through clinical supervision components, right? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so the process, yep. The A is they're in the process of full licensure. And during that time, they're getting clinical supervision um, for their licensure or licensed work, I should say. Um, okay. And then obviously there's the full licensure level without the A's. Okay. So then for those who are going, who are working toward that full licensure, they come to us and they're an associates level practitioner. What is, Ooh, yes, okay. go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, what does that look like for them? And you can jump in if you need to, but what does that look like for those practitioners who have that more formal clinical supervision component? Cause they're trying to get toward dropping that associate and having their full licensure. I think, and this is the tricky part is it's different depending on their licensure type. Right. So, you know, like a psychological associate, depending on their experience and what they're coming in with, they have different levels of supervision that they need to do in order to do the work that they do. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a licensed clinical mental health counselor associate, you know, that requirement is um, one hour of supervision per 40 hours of work. Mm -hmm. um, and then across about two years, um, and Mike, you can speak certainly to the licensed clinical social work level of supervision. It's one for every 30 hours. So it, okay. yeah, it takes two and a quarter, two and a half years. Yeah. So that's a pretty extensive amount of time to be under clinical supervision and be getting that support really on. A, and that's very clinical focused, right? That's not necessarily the how do you do the paperwork? How do you do, you know, those kind of things. This is very focused on the clinical work that this person is doing. The fact that Carolina Pizza offers supervision is such a benefit because, again, as someone who started this and got all their supervision before I worked someplace where it offered, it, it can be a lot because it is required, but not every company offers that. And so now that's something additional that you have to do outside of work hours, or you have to figure out a way to work it in with your work hours. You have to figure out how to pay for it. You have to figure out how to find a supervisor, someone that's accepting new supervisees. So, you know, that takes away so much of the stress right there that can contribute to burnout just by having it here in-house. Yeah, Ari, it's such a good point too. And all of those things that you say are so significant. And I think the other thing to consider that I'm often talking to with applicants or people who are considering working at Caroline Peds is that um, the, the nice thing about offering supervision in-house too is that your supervisor knows the population you serve. They know the system you work in. They know the different insurance expectations where finding a supervisor outside your work, do they have outpatient experience? Do they work with a diverse population? Do, you know, have they worked with Medicaid families? Um, all of those pieces I think are really important to consider and really understanding is that supervisor really going to be able to best support me? No, Sam, Mike was mentioning, you know, we had someone who needed support on multiple levels. So if you have your clinical supervisor in-house and you have mentoring so that those people are able to collaborate and then, you know, that just offers such a, a unique opportunity for support that may not be available with outside supervision. 
Yeah, I think that was one reason we really wanted to do it embedded in-house because we did see a lot of people initially when we started our behavioral health program that they were going outside of the setting. They had to figure out how they were going to put that into their day. Where were they, when were they going to meet with that person because they weren't here on site with them? And that did create a lot of, of barriers for them getting their supervision in a timely fashion, but then also it being relevant to the setting that they're working in. So that's a, that's a really good benefit um, that a lot of people may not think about you know, when you're getting into a new job um, is, is how am I going to get that supervision? It's a big deal. Well, so, okay, well, so let's shift our focus a little bit. So we talked a lot about the very specifics of that. And I think these look a little bit different as far as the clinical um, supervision component. What is mentoring, just that general mentoring that you all are doing for the most part, other than this clinical supervision, what does that look like on a regular basis for someone when they're going through mentoring? Just kind of the routine and the rhythms of that. What does it look like? In my experience, we selected, you know, a time and a day that, you know, worked best for both of us. And then, you know, having that time set aside and knowing that every week we were going to be meeting, um, I think really just increases those feelings of safety and stability when, uh, you know, you're starting that mentoring relationship. Um, and the flow of the mentoring I found to be very flexible. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of pressure to have it a certain way or to discuss certain things, um, you know, which I think is also a perk <laughs> of something like that, you know, versus supervision where maybe you do have to stick a little bit more to the clinical side of things and stick to an agenda. Um, but that's that's how the the setup worked for me. I was like, I think, and I think it evolves too, right? So early on, it is a lot of technical questions. You know, the if if as a therapist we could just see kids and families all day and then just go home, then this would be such an easy job, an easier job. But then you add in the documentation, then you add in you know coordinating care, and all of that is what makes it it. it I think that's what adds a lot of the stress on it. Um, and so early on it is, it's, you know, did I hit all these pieces in my notes? Did I click all the right buttons? Did I submit it on time? Am I going to the right person? Am I reporting this? Am I filling out these extra forms? So that is how, in my experience, the beginning of mentoring looks like. It's a lot of questions. It's a lot of like technical like details. Um, and then as the comfort in that increases, then it becomes more of like day-to-day, -day, more case-specific, a lot more, a lot more free, a lot, a lot more enjoyable too, because it's not just, oh, I have to get all these things in. And you, you notice your mentees start to relax some where they don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doing such a terrible job. I'm such a bad therapist, you know, and that's wonderful because we get to pour into them and no, you're not a terrible therapist. I felt the exact same way. And this is a lot. Um, and then it does kind of, it, it kind of changes day to day and it becomes what it needs, what you need it to be. Yeah, I agree with Ari. It's definitely front loaded with all those technical questions. Um, and then as you get through the process, I think there comes a time where you're like, yes, we've crossed this hump. Um, usually there's a situation or a big thing that you kind of get up to you build up to and then you get over it and it's smooth well not completely smooth sailing but a lot better um, but then at the end it's more for at least in my experience for developing them to be a, a leader in the in the team mm -hmm. and to maybe be a, their own mentor mentor um, and carry on that that whole thing in the Carolina Peds way which is really cool to see as they develop so for you all what is um what is success? What does a successful mentorship 
in the end, like you've taken a person all the way through, in the end, what does a successful mentorship program look like for, to you, for your person that you're taking through? I think for me, it's that moment when you're meeting with a mentee and you say, okay, what can I do for you this week? What help do you need? And they just go, you know what? I think I'm good, but I know I can always come to you. And that's kind of a sign to me that they're feeling comfortable and confident and are ready to move on. Um, and then we can really focus on, okay, great. What are you excited to do next? Um, and for them to feel like these are the things I'm passionate about. This is how I want to contribute to the team. This is what I want my future here to look like. I think that's success. Period. Well said. <laughs> yeah, that well was said. a good one. She's like, that's well said. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So for you guys, what is, and what do you perceive as, the, you know, we've been talking a lot about the mentee and, and the benefit to them and how that's taken it through. But for you, what is the benefit to you as the mentor? or some, some positive impacts that you've experienced? I feel like for, for me, it's like a gr- like growth and seeing someone enter the, the field or mentorship at one point and then seeing the growth that they have throughout the mentorship process and just their growth as a, a therapist in general, that's really rewarding and, and very cool to see and something that was beneficial for me um, in my own growth and, and journey. I definitely agree with that. It fills me up way more than I even expected it to. So, you know, I was excited to be a mentor. I was like, sure, I get to help somebody. And then even just like a few weeks into it, I felt, wow, I feel more relaxed. I feel, I feel a little bit more confident. You know, we always say that if you can teach somebody how to do something, then you've learned it really well yourself. So I think sometimes I suffer from imposter syndrome, but being able to turn that around and put that into somebody else, help me relax a little bit and say, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing. And also it it does break up the day. You know, when you're seeing a lot of kids and families, that's important work, but that's pulling a very particular side of you. And so to know that I'm still being productive in my day, I'm still working, but I'm being pulled in another way. It allows me to have more of a balance. Um, And so that's been been really wonderful. Like I can definitely tell, what's the word, just my, my, my quality of life while working, I think has improved just being able to have that, that difference in my day. I think when you've been in this field for a while, you get kind of in a routine, you start to feel like you know what you're doing, you know how to do things, but then when you have to actually stop and explain it to someone else, you really think critically, like, is this the best way to be doing this? Does this make sense? Um, and it gives you a chance to pause and reevaluate and make adjustments and growth that you may not otherwise do if you're just kind of going about your normal routine. <laughs> so my last question for you all is really, you know, what is your biggest hope for the mentee? If, if you could just put it in a really short, like one sentence, um, as you walk through this together, what's your biggest hope for them on the other side? Uh, for them to be a better therapist than I am. I think it is for them to like experience the joy that they hope they would have in their work. I think to pass along just, the feeling of being supported and how that's contagious in a workplace can completely change the culture of a, of a, of a organization. I hope they feel excited about their future as a clinician and in the work world and at Carolina Peds. I hope for them to pay it forward because we're leaders <laughs> supporting other leaders <laughs> and so on and so forth. I don't think we have to say anything else about that. I think that you guys said it perfectly and I'm really grateful for you all joining me today. Thank you also for being mentors. You know, we couldn't do 
what we do here at Carolina Pays and we couldn't offer the kind of support that we really want to and intend to without you guys jumping in there and you know you're, you're paying it forward you know I know everybody's been poured into at some point in their life and you're now paying it forward into your profession and making it better and and creating a lot of hope for the future of this profession and our team here at Carolina Paid. So I'm really grateful to each of you. Thank you guys for joining and for sharing. And for those who are listening, thank you for listening.